When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K. The latest episode of the No Huddle Show. We are in my home. Uh, this is our end of season podcast. We're going to get into some review for the season and some look ahead to the offseason, but we got to talk about the big news of the week. Uh, Mike Rowe has joined this podcast as a co host. Hey, Mike, how you doing? <laughs> I don't really know what to do it. with Golden Tate. <laughs> um, I was actually thinking like he was doomed from the moment he said that out, yeah. loud, out loud. That's kind of you're you're you have a you have a take slash opinion about him, uh, but one of his biggest. I mean, this has nothing to do with coaching, but public image and the lack of support he had outside of the building had a lot to do with his inability to like properly convey a message. Yeah, and I think you know it's weird because it, it kind of. By really, the way, he was he was let go, and so was Carson Walsh. If you weren't aware, <laughs> thanks, Zach. Uh, I'm saying we didn't address yeah, that specifically. Yeah, yeah, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably yeah. somewhat aware. I would imagine <laughs> maybe a little bit. Maybe you found out via Eagles Extra, which yeah. you should uh, sign up for, free for two weeks. Kind of get all of our takes on the end of the year stuff. There's going to be a lot of transition. The offensive coordinator coaching search. If Jim Schwartz gets hired. By the end of this podcast, maybe we'll get some defensive coordinator <laughs> yeah, news. Yeah, sure. As well. I mean, you would think the Browns would make their. Oh, they're interviewing Josh McDaniels today. I think. Right, and I, Josh McDaniels. That's a dream job for Josh McDaniels. He grew up an Ohio kid. Did, but did you see the the Josh McDaniels stuff about Matt Matt Rule? Yeah, about oh my they god, the yeah. same agent and the agent. So like, apparently, I mean, this has nothing to do with the Eagles, but it just like <laughs> kind of blew my mind a little bit. It's because it's McDaniels of all people. Yeah. But Matt Matt Rule, while his agent was negotiating the contract with the Panthers. McDaniels is getting ready to fly to Carolina to interview for a job that he wasn't going to get that his agent didn't tell him. <laughs> so a couple of things on that. <laughs> like that's just great. That's, like McDaniels would do that to somebody else. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah, a couple of things on that. One, if you're his agent, you know Josh might not accept the job or accept the job and then leave. So there goes your commission. Uh, yeah, that's true. He never got the commission for the Colts when, job. I didn't even think of when that. When somebody's offering your head coaching client $70 million, <laughs> You gotta take it. Like I mean, like I mean, that takes priority over right. the flaky guy. Yeah, sorry, that commission. Sorry, guy. That was just a message to him, probably. Josh was seen as one of the more high quality candidates out there. You'll get another job, buddy. Yeah, um, one day. You're also probably the highest paid offensive coordinator in the league. I would imagine. I wish. I wish all the contracts for coordinators were public, like they are for colleges. I wish. I wish they were public on assistant coaches. We'd have a lot more. Well, that's a, like, I'm saying in general, yeah. like in in uh, at least if it's not a private uh, university. You can see the salary for every single coach on the staff, so that, that's why you'll see like, I'll see like the recruiting coordinator is making like four hundred thousand. I'm like, man, I'm in the wrong profession. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about. But it. anyway, so back to Eagles. Um, so Mike Rowe. Yeah, Mike Rowe. 
Sign up for Eagles Extra. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Rowe can sign. I didn't even mean it to say like that. But grow your, your grow your audience and grow the information that you, re- if, you receive. If Mike Rowe joined our staff, would you guys be more willing? To, no, they probably would all unsubscribe. But I'm pretty sure he's... People were not fans of Mike Rowe. It's my no. impression I got over the two years he had the job. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, so Mike Rowe let go. We should talk about this. We'll talk about the Mike Rowe part of it, then we'll talk about who they could replace him with. The Mike Rowe part of it. I mean, obviously, the offense... He got too much blame. I think most people probably agree on. I mean, maybe the fan base doesn't. He got too much blame relative to the fact that he doesn't run the offense. But the facts are the offense was not as good with him there. It regressed. It wasn't consistent. Struggled to score at the beginning of games. Um, didn't have enough like blowout perform like breakout performances. Uh, and when they did, it would be like when the defense also gave up a lot of points. It, like the timing was never there. But I think Mike Rowe. There was no way he was ever going to really last that long. Just I don't. I don't know if he had the – usually the offensive coordinator is a guy that has a future as a head coach, and he just never carried himself like someone who either wanted that or was ever going to be that. So I I don't, I don't know what he was doing doing behind the scenes to, to get Doug's trust or why he earned that job over Deuce Staley, but I think in retrospect it probably wasn't the right move. But, I mean, what, I, I know you have an opinion about – why he never succeeded here. So he's basically the passing game coordinator because Stoutland controls the run game, essentially. So that's why it made sense that he got the job over Deuce as a wide receivers coach He's and a former quarterback. Um, talking to players, especially last year, he's a very good teacher and a very good wide receivers coach. He's considered a very good wide receivers coach around the league. I think, you know, some guys can be really good at their station and that, that can build confidence for an employer that said doesn't mean they necessarily need to get a promotion and i think mike was put in a situation where he was an internal candidate um a fan base always wants somebody external almost always yeah uh although i've I've seen a lot of fans pulling for deuce uh, in the last couple days if deuce didn't play for this team nobody would care yeah um Let's just put it that I mean, way. He, I I I think he was a better candidate at the time than Gro. Oh, I, I, get, I get your point, but I still like it's still in retrospect Look, it should have been Deuce. I've said several times on this podcast that I saw Deuce Staley coach like in person as an offensive coordinator at the East West Shrine game a couple of years ago, and he impressed the heck out of he, me. He did the best coaching job of his career with Miles Sanders this year. Yeah, and Boston Scott. Yeah, phenomenal. The problem is, and we'll get into this a little bit later. The issue with the Eagles' offense is they're not as imaginative as they were before. And if the guy's already part of the coordinating yeah, collective... He's part of that already. His voice is in there already. So what are you getting out of it? Unless, and, and if he's not a part of that already, then they then Doug clearly didn't trust him enough to be yeah, a part of that. Yeah, what does that say? Yeah. Um, my thing with Grow uh, replacing Reich... The offensive coordinator job here is somewhat undefined. You can say he's the passing game coordinator. Well, what does that exactly mean? You've got a former quarterback, offensive coordinator, head coach who's also calling the plays. You don't know what his hubris is. You don't know how much control he has. Frank Reich and John Filippo were significantly more experienced as coaches than Press Taylor and Mike Groh. So maybe Doug Peterson decided to take more responsibility on himself. We don't know that. Um, I know some people have said, well, I don't think they would have switched up the thing. We don't know that. Uh, but the optics of Frank Reich was a had a really solid year as a as a first year head coach with the Colts. Uh, 
blew everybody away with his charm and how the offense played the first two years that Doug and Frank were here. They won a Super Bowl. So right there, the measuring stick is very, very high. Micro did not need to be Frank Reich. Fans have admitted, I think fans would have been fine if they were getting the NFC Championship games and being contenders and all that stuff. Frank Reich, <clears throat> um, from an optics standpoint, is kind of like Nick Foles, in a way. He was there, he's in your mind as a guy who was extremely influential in the biggest moment in Eagles history. And uh, somebody tweeted at me that both Foles and Frank became... Uh, you know, folk heroes after that. And that's fair. You're living up to a legend because you're remembering the good times. Um, and I think from that perspective, Mike Rowe was never going to get to where he needed to be. Uh, was not as good on the mic. P fans have said, oh, well, only writers care about that. No, that's not true. People complained about the Golden Tate thing. Well, that's well, he's saying stuff that becomes a story because he did a bad job of messaging. Like, the Golden Tate thing was especially bad because that was a bad reflection on the entire coaching staff. Right. Um, you know, he didn't win press conferences. And that's fine. Doug Peterson rarely wins press conferences. But that combined with an, an, a drop-off in um, production... Is like a really bad mix, obviously. And obviously, you know, maybe Mike Rowe was a smart mind, but he wasn't as smart as Frank Reich. Or maybe maybe Doug Peterson... Didn't, didn't trust him like he trusted Frank Reich. Right, which is fair because, again, Frank Reich had been in the experience. business for a long time, yeah. Frank Reich had more offensive coordinator experience than Doug Peterson did before they got that job. Um, he had more play-calling experience, yeah. for sure, because he... But Doug didn't have any. Yeah. Right, exactly. So... You know, we'll get into this more when we talk about the candidates, but like Frank Reich and Mike Rowe, are, if you were doing an interview with both of them, completely different candidates and completely probably different strengths and backgrounds. Frank Reich was a quarterback's coach, a wide receiver's coach, an offensive coordinator for multiple years before getting the job. Mike Rowe had been fired by his father, had had had, had some rough moments in college, had some rough moments as a, as a passing game coordinator with the the Rams like he had been around and not succeeded in bigger roles and Doug, yet Doug Peterson promoted him uh and kept him after a first year where it was very clear that there was a disconnect uh between production and the new offensive coordinator so Doug Peterson deserves a ton of blame for this and I think he's he's eluded the blame publicly for a pretty long time um, it's almost as if Mike Rowe has been the scapegoat for their problems. Oh, go yeah. figure. Um, <laughs> you brought up Deuce earlier. Uh, we should mention Doug Peterson was on WIP this morning and said that, you know, everything's on the table Deuce when asked about Deuce Stanley. I mean, it was because it, it was a very, like, basic answer. I don't, I don't know if Deuce is actually a candidate. I'm sure I'll talk to Listen, him. Listen, a lot of people yeah. are running with it. I've I, got an email already. <laughs> um, so, uh, as, we're, as we're recording this... Um, Let's get into Carson Walsh. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to talk too yeah. much on him because we've talked a lot about him on this podcast. It should, this it, should be a Carson Walsh size conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I should. It, I think it's notable to say that he's a Mike Rowe guy. He worked with him in Chicago. The Eagles only know about him because of Mike Rowe. Yeah. Um, also, this will be the now the fifth wide receiver coach in five years for Doug Peterson and six and six years overall for the Eagles. Tradition. Bob, Bob, Tradition. Bob 
Bicknell was the last one who was here for more than one year. Although next year, He's the chip next too. year the wide receiver core is going to be almost entirely different. So yeah. the only one that really matters in terms of how many receivers coaches he has is Jay Arcega Whiteside, and he'll be on a second one, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Walsh was particularly helpful for him. Um, well, and I think that's ultimately why yeah. he was fired. Yeah, yeah. It, it all it mostly comes down. I mean, you can talk about the regression Nelson and yeah, Alshon. That's not, that's not Walsh. That's them. Yeah. yeah, that's them. They're adults at this point. Um, They've and he got adults. some credit for the way Greg Ward and Robert Davis and Dante Burnett were all ready to go, but that's not enough. <laughs> and I think in your story about Greg Ward, um, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he credit the AAF wide receivers coach? Not, not in my story. Oh, okay. Maybe it was mine. I don't remember. I, I just remember having a conversation with him, No, there, too. there was somebody else who wrote that. I think Paul Domowicz from... Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He credited Inquire, his yeah. AAF wide receivers coach as opposed to Yeah, crediting. they didn't talk about the other guys, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, I mean, he just... I don't think he was ready for this job. Um, he didn't have any NFL coaching experience before he was in the CFL. That's not to say that doesn't mean you can make the transition others have. Um, but pretty clearly, he, at least he wasn't ready for the pressure of coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. Two takes here. One, I think Doug is, he endears himself to other coaches, and I think he's open-minded about guys to a fault. I also think that the wide receiver position typically excels when it's coached by somebody who's played at that level. Um, just my experience in covering Keenan McCardell, uh, Ike Hilliard's a guy who's really kind of developed into... I mean, there, there are wide receivers coaches who are successful that didn't play at the NFL level, but with the way that Doug's built his ecosystem, you look at Philip Daniels. Uh, he had Greg Lewis. I know Greg Lewis kind of, you know, fell out of favor after a year. Uh, now he's with the Chiefs and doing pretty well. Um, but, you know, Tim Houck has done a really good job. He's hired uh, Deuce. All, all these guys, He's been he's got an affinity for fellow former players. And I think if he's going to make another hire, I think he should really consider that. Um, I did a list of possible replacements. The number one guy for that I think they should look at is Chad O'Shea, uh, the former offensive coordinator for the for the Dolphins, the former wide receivers coach. I mean, look at what he did with Devontae Parker this year. Right, yeah. exactly. I think um, <clears throat> if you're Doug, you have to look into that and see the growth that he had there. Um, I mean, I... He was another guy that was a really good wide receivers coach that probably wasn't a great offensive coordinator yeah. candidate. Yeah, and yeah. Well, he yeah. was let go by Miami, we should say. But right. uh, not not to be the continue being the Josh McCown guy, but I I think he would be a fantastic wide receivers coach. I do too. I agree. Um, I mean, he, the guys already know him and respect him in there, and mm-hmm. quarterbacks know as much. I mean, he teaches wide receivers how to run routes. Like that's yeah, his I think. But I mean, he's what I think is interesting is when people talk about Greg Ward. They compliment him because Greg can see the, the field like yeah. a quarterback. And I think if if that's an asset that McCown has that he can help teach younger wide receivers, you know, hey, this is the reason for the timing. This is how you set up your route. This is how you set up your stem for me to throw to you. Also, by the way, having a quarterback, a wide receivers coach who can throw to you, yeah, even independent in practice, of the quarterbacks. Yeah. Hey, Mike Rowe actually had a pretty good arm. Yeah, he was yeah, throwing he around the other day. Yeah, and he's another guy who's former a former quarterback, quarterback who yeah. was a wide receivers coach. But he's not one that was a seventeen-year NFL quarterback, is right? <laughs> um, but I think, but yeah, I don't know if they'll actually go the McCown route or if he want, even wants to retire or whatever. But another guy I think it makes sense. Another guy who's interesting is Sanjay Lal, who's. Well traveled, just based on bad luck. I mean, his staffs have pretty much always been fired, and it's not his fault. Is, uh, he, are, is McCarthy keeping him or no? No, he's not. Oh, okay. already so hired. he's available. Yeah, so he's the one that's developed Michael Gallup, 
And Michael Gallup's shown a lot of progression as a route runner, um, just in, in general over the last two years. Uh, he also got Amari Cooper integrated when he got there pretty quickly. Um, he's a guy who's well-respected around the league. Uh, the other guy that I'd bring up is Ike Hilliard. So, like I said, he's the guy that developed Jamison Crowder. He's a Giants receiver. I like it. <laughs> Terry, Mc, uh, Terry McLaurin had an incredible rookie year when compared to his college production, which Howie Roseman even acknowledged. So that could be a guy that they look into as well. Um, he bounced around a little bit and then spent the last five years in Washington, and I think he'd be a, a really good candidate. He fits the ecosystem. He's a smart guy. Uh, had a really good NFL career. So um, he's somebody that they will respect. I will say this from what I've heard. Past wide receivers coaches have had trouble kind of getting through to veteran wide receivers. Um, you know, they might not be many veterans on this team next year. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think you need a big boy to talk to other big boys, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I think a maturity thing needs to kind of come into play there. That's why I think Josh McCown would be excellent. That's why I think Chad O'Shea, who's been coaching since in the NFL for almost 20 years. Um, uh, Sanjay Lal is renowned for some of his work like you have to have an authoritative presence we've talked about press taylor before about needing that that presence i think having a wide receivers coach and a, an authoritative offensive coordinator would kind of help press taylor set set kind of boundaries i agree um so let, let's get into uh, who we who we so there was a report that jim caldwell and uh kevin o'connell are two guys that mm -hmm. the eagles are looking at I had Kevin O'Connell on the list of candidates that I wrote. Um, Jim, I didn't even think of Jim Caldwell. He makes a lot of sense for what the Eagles prop. Best case scenario, they bring in a veteran coach who has been called plays before, who's been a head coach before, to kind of be another, like a Frank Reich type voice in the room. Mm -hmm. the, the, if there's a problem with a guy like that, it's that he could turn that into a head coaching job pretty quickly, so then you'd have to hire another one. But, I mean, you deal with that when it comes. But um, Jim Caldwell's great. Um, I'm, intrigued by, I'm intrigued by Mike Kafka, which – Fans might laugh when they first hear that, but he's considered like a rising star in coaching he circles. He's a quarterback's coach in Kansas City. He's played a huge role in the development of Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. So I think Carson Wentz would listen to him. Um, and he's again, he's a young guy who can relate to these other players, like the receiver. I think it's better to have a young coach as a receivers coach or the offensive coordinator than maybe the quarterbacks coach that's spending a lot of time. But um, what, what do you think? Who are, who are your top guys? So. Jim Codwell, to me, would be an absolute surefire slam dunk, to, in my opinion. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But here's the reason why Jim Codwell and uh, Kevin O'Connell Kevin McConnell, Kevin O'Connell <laughs> makes, makes sense as possible candidates. So Jim Codwell was Frank Reich's head coach when Frank Reich was a wide receivers and quarterbacks coach in Indianapolis during his first stint from 2009 to 2011. So Doug Peterson is going into his coaching tree to kind of get more information, it appears. Getting guys that are familiar with potential candidates, which is smart. That's what happens when you have an extensive coaching tree. Kevin O'Connell played under... John DiFilippo with the Jets, and then his first coaching job as a quarterback's coach was with the Browns in 2015. Who was the offensive coordinator? John DiFilippo. Uh, he's part of the Matt Cavanaugh tree. Uh, they both kind of grew up together, I guess. Matt Cavanaugh, uh, who was the offensive coordinator for the um, Redskins, uh, was took another role this past year, and that's when Kevin O'Connell kind of became the quarter, the offensive coordinator from quarterbacks coach with Washington. 
I thought he did a pretty good job this year. Uh, if you look at the uh, game in Washington against the Eagles, I thought he pl- called a really good game. Um, and he's had to integrate some veteran players. You look at Adrian Peterson. You look at, um, you know, some of these guys. Uh, Case Keenum, you know. Um, I mean, he had to develop Dwayne Haskins. He was playing pretty well by the end of right. the year. Yeah. Um, and he's had to build an authority rather quickly. He is a guy who, in 2018, uh, coached Mark Sanchez. Uh, several years prior, he was Mark Sanchez's backup. So, like, he's a guy that's had to grow up really quickly on the job. He had to stop with the Patriots, too, so. Yeah, yeah, he was drafted by the Patriots in yeah. the third round. He was supposed to be Brady's longtime backup. Didn't really One of many out. that were supposed to be right. Tom yeah, Brady's yeah, yeah. backup. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I think those are some of the interesting names. I'm, I, in the story I had, I also listed some of the bigger names, like Jay Groot and Pat Shermer. Who would bring that veteran? Jay Gruden's more intriguing, but he probably also would want to call plays wherever he goes, kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, someone, some people were mentioning Todd Monken. I don't really know that much yeah, about he'd him. Be interesting. I mean, uh, some, I saw Ruben Frank mentioned the Ravens' quarterbacks coach, uh, who has ties to Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, and he's done a great job at Lamar. Obviously, I, he he might have eyes on play calling maybe i don't yeah, know the reason why you wouldn't go with todd munkin is a report came out that he was basically crap talking the browns organization uh, as an yeah. offensive coordinator before games so <laughs> the browns uh, are a fun team <laughs> yeah real fun but I, I think those are a lot of the candidates you'll see mentioned uh there's probably some secret one that we're not even oh, aware sure. of but uh th- that's kind of going to be a, a big topic for the eagles over the next couple weeks until free agency starts kicking in the full swing um, before before we do get in, move on a little bit, I sh- we should touch on the Howie Rosen press conference real quick. Um, m- you were there. I had to cover the Joe Judge uh, intro stuff and the story I did on him. But I did watch it. I did read all the quotes and see all the stories. And number one, Howie still does the thing where he like talks a lot and doesn't actually say all that much. But mm-hmm. I do think he was more revealing than he's like ever been. I agree. Um, he made he seemed contrite and admitted where he was wrong and i think he my biggest takeaway was that they're gonna do a full-on shakeup of this roster this offseason that's kind of the impression i got um he talked about their need to get younger he was non-committal when he was asked about certain guys also jeffrey malcolm jenkins jason peters like i think they're gonna make a concerted effort again and, and i think the most interesting thing is that he basically admitted that they thought they had a three-year window and they didn't accomplish it in those three years. They won a lot and all that. They won too early, really. Yeah, yeah they won in the first year of the three-year window, mm-hmm. which is not usually what you, what you see. But uh, that's kind of the takeaway I got. So I think there's going to be some surprising guys who don't come back this year. I think there's going to be some guys they get rid of that maybe we're not thinking of. But th- this is going to look a lot different next year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think from my perspective, Howie Roseman was way more – prepared for this press conference than uh, than Doug Peterson was. Like, it was not even <laughs> oh, man. close. I mean, Doug was busy rubbing a water bottle on his mouth. So. Yeah, that was... That <laughs> What's was that up? That's one of the funniest videos funny? I've ever seen. Who did he wink at, by the way? Do you know? No, uh, he, uh, I asked EJ Smith from uh, Philly, or Inquirer.com because I he was right there. It was like him and Dan Gallon from Penn Live that were right there. And I'm like, I really hope it's one of the two of them. Uh, EJ said that he thinks it was Derek Gunn that he was. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Hashtag the source. And by the um, way, we didn't even mention this before, but Doug, whether he meant to lie or not, said that Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh are coming back. Yeah. Let's, and then, I mean, we should litigate let, that. Let, let's bit. talk about but, that. But I mean, what were your thoughts on Howie though, before we touch? Yeah. That yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought Howie I read this that I thought Howie's press conference was 
a mix, uh, a, like a, a tad bit of transparency. A, as transparent as Harry Rosenberg yeah, would be. A yeah, a spoonful of self-awareness and like, um, he, look, he, uh, he knows. <laughs> he knows. He knows that this was not ideal. Some of his answers were perplexing. But I see his logic in them. Not that, that I agree with like the logic. Like Nelson Aguilar being one of the 10 fastest receivers in the NFL. Yeah, the Gennard like, Avery thing. <laughs> yeah. Like that they traded for the future when you could have traded a third round pick for Emmanuel Sanders is the most asinine thing I've ever heard in a yeah. press conference. Um, especially when the st- he did mention how he – they've said this several times. Joe Douglas used to say this all the time too. They talk to the staff before they make every move. Well, the staff is either lying through their teeth when they evaluate somebody or they immediately just don't like the goods when they arrive. Yeah. Um, because there's been a lot of disconnect here. Uh, predictably, they cut the press conference pretty short. Nobody got to ask about LJ Fort or Zach Brown. Or even just how they were cutting guys days after they played a lot. Um, somebody repeated there were two repeat questions. It was, it was, it was a rough one. I didn't even get a question in and I was furious, (laughs) but, um, look, I think, uh, I think the most telling thing he said was they need a youth movement essentially. Um, and he's right. Uh, he really kind of laid it on thick that they have 10 draft picks, which I get. Look, uh, I mean, he's putting pressure on himself to hit on those picks. So. Yeah, I think that's the thing, too, as we go into this offseason. They are betting wildly on, on Andy Weidel. Like, really, like, like they got to nail this draft class. He made a point to say that they've only had 10 picks over the last two years, so they've had to hit on them, the majority of them. Guess what? They haven't. Um, and I think... This this is going to be the most imp- – I mean, everybody says it every year. This is the most important draft ever. This is going to be the most important for the, draft – For the future, yeah. Draft in a really long time because they're sitting there at 21. They're going to have an extra third-round pick. They're probably going to have two extra fourth-round picks from the comp pick formula. They need to make a splash. This is a team that has been aggressive in trade-ups. They're probably going to have to trade up to get the wide receiver they want based on the mock drafts that I've seen and based on the mock drafts that I've been doing myself. Um because in those teens, there are teams that need wide receiver help pretty significantly. Um, I think this team needs a corner or a wide receiver in that first round. They're pretty easy to predict, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went after a defensive tackle. Um, you know, that'd be the most Eagles thing ever. That everyone in Philly wants a receiver and they get a defensive tackle. Listen, they Fletcher, would be so mad. Fletcher Cox has gone out of his way to say, you know, playing next to seven different guys has been really, was really tough for him this year. He played next to like six different guys last year. Uh, so it would not shock me. Also, Fletcher Cox is getting up there and is really expensive. So I could see the logic there. I don't think the fan base would be thrilled, but what are you going to do? Um, if they could get Derek Brown though, woo, uh, you probably need to trade in the top 10 for that. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Howie made some astute points. Uh, I think he made some astute points about trading at the trade deadline and how I've said it several times, bad teams can offer better packages if they're offering the same, you know, round of picks because bad teams are going to have higher picks in each round. Uh, JJ or single white side stuff. Um, 
I don't think the organization was 100% on board with that pick. And I'll say that. Just reading the tea leaves. Not That's a guess. Well, McLean actually reported that the other day. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, Howie's lukewarm endorsement of him also compared to, you know, he, he made a point to say, look, three guys who had less than 40 yards, I mean, 40 catches in college per season, uh, really balled out this year. Darius Slayton, Terry McLaurin, and DK Metcalf, all three players whooped on the Eagles this year. Um, I'll say part of uh, McLean's report was that I guess uh, Metcalf failed a physical in his thing with the Eagles. That's why they didn't pick him. Just, just saying. They still yeah. should have picked him. Well, it's also probably how he kind of deferred with explaining why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was probably maybe uh, lower on their board. Um, but what I'll say is this. If they learned a lesson from this, maybe the Eagles benefit. You and I have been very quick to uh, critique the Joe Douglas form of of player player acquisition hey i know that guy or hey he was productive in college sometimes the evaluation has to outweigh the production in college and that's what happened with terry mclaurin and and you know dk metcalf and uh obviously darius slayton so that's interesting to me but speaking of the giants and the redskins i think we do need to talk about the news that surround the division um ron rivera obviously hired by the redskins uh the Giants hired Joe Judge, and the Cowboys hired Mike McCarthy. Um, what do you think of that trio of NFC East new head coaches? I think it's at the very least more formidable than the coaches they replaced. Absolutely. Um, I think it puts a little more pressure on the Eagles to not start slow. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if necessarily all three teams are going to be good next year or anything. I think the Giants still have a lot of moves. They have a lot of money, but they have a lot of moves they have to make. Mm-hmm. The Redskins will inevitably end seven and nine they just kind of like though ron vera is a good coach um but these are like competent coaches whereas Mm -hmm. jason garrett was not jay gruden was a fine play caller but he kind of got worse as time went on it seemed like Mm -hmm. and uh and pat Shermer is pat Shermer. so um joe judge is the biggest mystery here i think you know it's gonna depend on how he fills out his coaching staff (laughs) nobody knows what kind of philosophy they're gonna do he sounds like a real bill belichick disciple and that He's just saying we're gonna get the bet. We're gonna put the best players on the field and then figure out the best offense and defense to run. I'm sure he has an idea of what he's gonna do. Um, his press conference he was impressive. I think he has the right mindset of evaluation and you know you know it's even just like the whole production versus physical traits and stuff. Like I, based on his press conference, I don't think he really even factors in production at all. He, he he was talking a lot about how you look at everything, and even Dave Gettleman was talking like that, and I think the Eagles need to think like that going forward. But I think that there definitely is more pressure on the Eagles. Like, it's going to be harder to win the division and make the playoffs if you're starting 5-7 and seven every year. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's hard anyway, but... For sure. Um, so, of those three guys, who do you think is, A, the most setups for success, and B, who do you think just based on prior history, their pedigree will be the most successful immediately. Hmm. That's interesting. Cause I, I'm not as high on Mike McCarthy as a lot of other people seem to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole like media tour where he's talking about how analytical he is now is just so <laughs> transparent to me. Um, I think he's the most set up to succeed right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think judge, if he gets the right support and if, you know, the Giants make the right decisions. Like, he has the franchise quarterback in place. I think Jones is legit. He has Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton. They have some young defensive talent. This is going to be the offseason that defines their entire franchise, probably. Mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they were competitive next year, kind of like the Eagles 2016, and then you transition to 2017. Mm-hmm. I think they would be – nobody knows what judge is. He's like the biggest wild card in the NFL almost. Time will um, be the judge. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. – I, I saw somebody point out they should draft uh, Jerry Judy from Alabama. So yeah, yeah, yeah Judge Judy. Allman from the athletic. So, yeah, yeah, that's who it was. That, that's genius. But he's kind of wild card. If he's a competent coach and if he's as smart as everybody says he is and everybody I've talked to says that he is – like that's the team to that you can start. I mean, the Giants were competitive with the Eagles this year mm-hmm. with Pat Shermer. Yeah, um, you know he's interesting. So of the guy, you're completely right about Mike McCarthy. I think he's the most set up. He's got the best talent. Whether he's the best coach or not is another question, I guess. But I think yeah. Rivera's probably the best one out of those three, based on what we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. but even he had his flaws in Carolina. So so I think Ron. I think Ron has put together. I mean, the other two haven't really put together complete yeah, staff. Yeah, judge's staff is going to kind of decide everything. Like, right. Like, Ron, I saw Brett Bilemo was a candidate for defensive oof, coordinator. Like, yikes. No. <laughs> um, I'll say, look, the Cowboys have the best talent. Ron Rivera's put together a really good staff. Uh, Scott Turner, North Turner's son, did a really decent job down the stretch uh, with the Panthers. I know they had trouble scoring, but they had quarterbacks in and out of the, ro- of the lineup. They had, you know... Will Greer in there, so you know you're not really set up to succeed. Um, but him bringing in Jack Del Rio and then moving to a four three defense, I'm really intrigued by because they're in position to draft Chase Young, um, which I think could be a generational pick for them. And that's one reason to be concerned about the Redskins too, <laughs> right? Um, and I think maybe they can get like a. I mean, Ryan Kerrigan was banged up this year. I'm wondering, you know, he's not really a great fit for the four three. I'm wondering if they can get kind of like a, a pretty decent haul of draft picks for him because he puts up numbers every single year, and he's probably... So, update, apparently Jim Schwartz is out of the running for the Browns job. Bummer. Yeah. Um, so, I guess he'll be returning. There you go. Well, there it is. Well, we don't know. I mean, <laughs> appa- uh, we would assume as... Oh, well, another... Tough guy postseason find out he's hurt story. I guess Tim McManus also reported that Josh McCown played the second half on a torn hamstring. Oof. That dude's 40 years old, and he should yeah. not be doing that to himself. <laughs> Man, we are really, like, recording at the best time possible, yeah. and also the worst time possible, yeah, yeah. I guess. We're going to have a lot of that's writing just, to do when we're done. And if that's the case, he's I feel like he's almost definitely retiring then. Yeah, he's getting up there. That's maybe why Torn he, hamstring? That's, that sounds painful. Well, there were reports that he kind of, like, just fell down. Like, he kind of, like, hunched over after the game. Maybe that's, you know. It also explains why he was a little bit less mobile in the pocket in that fourth yeah. quarter. Um, so... Let's let's kind of wrap it up here. This is supposed to be initially our end of the year podcast. We thought that we wouldn't have a lot of news. Um, <laughs> let's kind of quickly rapid fire, do our awards, and then you know let's hold off on the stay and go for ne- for our next podcast. Yeah, because yeah. it seems like we're burning. Yeah, a that lot could, of that oil. could be a full podcast itself. Yeah, um, which it will be next week. <laughs> um, so let's let's kind of get into our awards. So MVP, I'm going Carson Wentz. I think that's clear. Yeah, yeah, that's that's obvious. I mean, if you're splitting up offense defense, I mean we can. Well, sit. we're going to do an offensive player of the year. Okay, defense. that's right. Offensive player of the year, Miles. Oh, so we're going with Wentz for MVP. Yeah. Congratulations, Carson. Congratulations. Offensive player of the year, Miles Sanders. It's not even close. But for me. like, well, the first half of his year was bad. Is what? Yeah. So the funny so thing you're going it, with Zach Ertz? So, no, no, no. I'm, uh, Sanders, I think, makes a lot of sense. Um... Brandon Brooks makes some sense. Uh, Jason Kelsey. I, I don't think that, I don't think it's like far and away. Sanders is my point, but um, 
like he did if this was the halfway point i think we said jordan howard was probably like the offensive yeah. MVP to that point it's funny Run, so running back that changes you know. defensive probably malcolm jenkins mvp yeah i think that's fair yeah uh, so, like his numbers aren't like amazing, but he yeah. the impact is there. Obviously, career high four forced fumbles. Yeah, uh, yeah. and he played ninety nine point four percent of the snaps. Uh, who who was your most surprising contributor this year, and who was the biggest disappointment? Huh, that's a good question. Um, most disappointing, I would say, is Alshon Jeffrey to me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. Fa- I would say Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, um, I mean, I even think JJ Arcega Whiteside has a case for that, just because they were so high in a mini. Pretty much, if you were yeah. Carson, by, coached yeah. by Carson, Carson Walsh, I, I guess Greg Ward would be my biggest surprise yeah. contributor. He was huge during the stretch, down the stretch. Uh, really, the only capable wide receiver down the stretch. I mean, um, don't speak so ill of Mac Hollins. I mean, Josh. <laughs> hey, I, I would put Josh Perkins in there too. Yeah, the just because the fact that he contributed at all. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's. Um, Guy that we're most excited to watch develop moving forward. Mine would be TJ Edwards because I do think he's going to have a massive. Excited to watch develop moving forward. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a rookie. It's a guy that kind of showed you some flash. Um, trying to think through the roster here. Uh, Josh Sweat. I'll say Josh Sweat. He showed a lot of flashes. I'm curious. We're going to find out how high how high they are in him this offseason because Vinny Curry's a free agent. Um, so I wonder if they try to invest in a pass rushing third defensive end if they don't then i think that means they want to keep going with sweat sweat i don't know why i said it like that <laughs> josh sweat uh, all right last award i think we should do biggest injury because there were a lot of them carson wentz's concussion yeah that's a good that one my answer <laughs> uh i'd say deshaun jackson yeah those are the two obvious ones I think. yeah yeah, yeah. That means it is, Look, that we is, disagreed, so is, we're having good radio. That is a crazy what if if Sean never does. I mean, he was going to get hurt eventually anyway, but yeah. if like that isn't the injury, like if he plays half the season instead of one game. So I didn't listen to the whole WIP thing, but uh, apparently Doug Peterson said if Schwartz doesn't get the Cleveland job, he is definitely still the DC yeah. Philly. So I think that that's... So the fans can complain about Schwartz for at least one more year. <laughs> but I think the fair retort is, so Jim Schwartz is getting fired Oh, uh, true, yeah, yeah like, Doug, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> words have no meaning. No, they don't. That's true. Well, no, but you remember John Snow, he goes, we all just say things that we don't believe in. Words lack meaning or whatever uh, yeah, he's yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 we're trying to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in one of the bad late season episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, before we go, we did get one question on Eagles Extra. Uh, somebody asked us, do you think it's Super Bowl or bust next season? I would say no. I think the expectation will be lower. Lower? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think, I look, I think their window to kind of own the division is next year. They have to win this division outright or there are going to be problems. I know that they, we talked about rebuilding and shaking up the roster. They have the base to succeed. Brandon Brooks, Carson Wentz, um, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox uh, you know, um, Brandon Graham, and Brandon Graham, if, uh, Ma- if Malcolm, Malik back. Jackson, if he's back, Deshaun, if he's back, like they have a playoff team. Yeah, yeah their specialists are taken care of. Like, <laughs> Rick Lovato, yeah, Rick Lovato, first <laughs> Pro Bowler, Rick Lovato. We can sir. a podcast one day. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna just do a whole podcast about long snapping. Um, stay tuned. Uh, but they have the base to compete for sure, and I think. To say that they're going to fall backwards or rebuild is is probably being disingenuous. I think they're going to make some moves that really shake up the roster. They're going to make some non-moves that are going to surprise us. If Malcolm Jenkins is not back next year, that is 
massive because we've seen the years of Nate Allen and I Quinn Demps. We've I, seen I, that. I think Malcolm and Alshon Jeffrey's futures are the top two storylines for the Eagles this offseason. Yeah, well, and who who's going to be Carson's backup? I think that that's, that's going to be a story every year I mean, until that's it's a, that's, But I don't think it, but like, in terms of how impactful it's going to be on the Eagles' future and all that stuff. Like, Alshon is interesting just because there's, like, really... They need. They're gonna have to give a draft pick with them and trade them somewhere to get rid of them. It'll have to be an Akeem Talib, and, Brock Osweiler. And here's the thing: if they trade him before June first, it's sixteen point four million dollar cap hit anyway. So it's your you're in kind of non fun territory. Howie Roseman said that he gave the guarantee in in order for Alshon to take a pay cut to give them cap flexibility. It's actually gonna have the reverse effect in the next in the next year. So on that note, we're gonna make like uh, Alshon Jeffrey and head to head off the field. Uh, you want to do your shtick? Yeah, sign up for Eagles Extra. That's the main thing. Go to nj.com/eagles. I believe there's like a link at the top of the page you can click on. Uh, the numbers keep going up. We keep getting more people. We're having a lot of fun with it. Do it. It's free for two weeks, as always. And it's gonna be an exciting. I mean, the offensive coordinator search. The Eagles are gonna have to make decisions on some guys. And then before you know it, it'll be combine. It'll be owners' meetings. I'm going to be out at the Super Bowl. I'm sure I'll see some former Eagles guys. So um, we'll wrap up on that note. Uh, make sure you guys leave us some comments and write us some reviews. And we'll talk to you guys soon with our uh, Stay or Go podcast.